0: Thanks, Dane. Thanks, guys. What a great song. That, uh, that's been a song I've really clung to uh, in the past several months. I just, I've heard that the first time, and it just hits me here, that living hope that we have in Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, here for the next uh, next several weeks, a series on the living hope, especially as we enter this season of Easter. So I'm excited for that. I hope you are as well. If you would turn in your Bibles with me to John uh, in chapter 3, please. John chapter 3, So I reorganize my notes. John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at uh, Nicodemus today and that encounter with uh, he and Jesus and uh, kind of see what what this new birth and this living hope looks like. We're going to check that out today. Uh, before before we get there, I just um, I want to have a short prayer time or a long prayer time, whatever it needs, I guess. Um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. I know a lot of your Your uh, lives are heavy right now, and there's some things happening, and uh, or things have happened, and and there's a lot of joy as well. I know that, and I I celebrate that, and that's exciting to hear. Um, What I'd like to do is just see if you have some prayer requests. I want to share a couple things with you uh, before we get there. One, um, we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are around the world, who are persecuted, who are um, experiencing hurt and trouble. Uh, I don't know if you heard in the news or not, but there were three uh, African American churches down in the South that were burned recently, and uh, they're trying to figure out. Was it hate crime? Was it a hate against African-Americans? Was it hate against Christians? Was it both? So they're investigating that, but you know, we pray for those churches, those brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, there, there are Christians being slaughtered all over the world. Uh, it's not really in the news a lot, but uh, there are Christians all over the world being slaughtered. Um, weekly reports of that happening today in this day and age. So we'll be praying for the persecuted church. There is a prayer force alert in your bulletin as well for you to uh, prompt and a prompt in prayer for this month to be praying over different uh, missionaries and different pastors and and folks in different regions of the world who are experiencing persecution. So please use that as a prayer prompt. Also, Um, I'll let you know also just uh, it's you know you get back from vacation. I I was here last week. I got got back Friday night and uh, kind of I told you last week that Saturday was like I don't want to get to work. I don't want you know. I want to be on vacation still. And, and so I, I came and I preached and we did our, did our thing here on Sunday morning. I had a great time being with the family of God again. And then my hope was, you know, Monday morning we'll just, you know, we're going to ease back into this. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that did not go so easily back into it. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a heavy week, a full week, a good week, but a lot going on. And, uh, and then uh, as I finally finished my, my sermon last night and God and I had that time together, um, I, I actually learned from a, from a post on Facebook, social media, that uh, my grandma in Montana passed away yesterday. And I know, right? Grandma, that's hard. And it's it It's one of those things, like, I am very sad, but I'm glad. I mean, she loves the Lord with all of her heart. Um, and it, interestingly enough, my brother and I got to go see her last week when, we were, when I was in Montana. My brother was there and so said, let's, let's go see Grandma and Grandpa. Um, they're not our biological grandparents, but they are our adopted grandparents, that where we adopted them and they adopted us. When we moved from California to Montana, we left my, my parents' parents and uh, left them behind here. We'd visit them during the summer, but we didn't have that grandparent thing going on. And uh, so we found grandparents. We found a church through that. We just found great connections. And they have, they have literally been part of our um, being raised throughout the years. I mean, they, we would, that's, those were our babysitters. That's who took us to church. That was, they invested a lot of time in our lives. And over the years, uh, they, of course, they get old and, and they've deteriorated a little bit. And my grandpa, um, for the last couple of years, hasn't even been able to really recognize people he, he's his his Alzheimer's and dementia has just really um, clouded that, and so I think the only thing familiar to him would be his wife Juanita, and, uh, and then Juanita has de- deteriorated as well. They've been in assisted living home and been a great community for them, and, and their kids come and visit them and, and are there. But when my brother and I went, um, my grandpa was sleeping, and my grandma was awake and said, "Hey, it's Brady and Brandon. We're here to see you and say hi and and just uh, to love on you." And uh, she was so excited. She's like said so this is a miracle or miracles still from the lord still happen <laughs> you know, like yeah it's a miracle the grandkids come home right but we came to visit and just uh, just blessed that time with her and it was a blessing and uh, and really just you know for for my grandma who was clinging to trying to remember our, our names get them straight which one was to have kids which one had dogs which one lived in california which one lived in montana like like that's that's what happens and i it's it's not something to be taken lightheartedly right it, that's hard and for many of us, we see that maybe in our own families happening still. And, and there, was, there was certainly a, a desire in my heart for, for her to go home and see the Lord and for, for my grandpa too. And, and now the prayer, I guess, would be for my family as they, they navigate this loss. But uh, also our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is firmly planted there. I tell you what, that calendar that she used to write our names down and our, our, our details of our family on, when she got to heaven, she just tossed that aside. She didn't need that anymore. She didn't need any more memory prompts at all. She got to go to heaven and be with Jesus, and it's, it's just full. Um, now the prayers are also for my grandpa and, uh, and what we do there. So um, that's just, that's what's on my heart, and that was last night and coming into this morning, and, uh, and that's fresh on my heart. And I know things are fresh on your heart as well, so let's, let's share. What, what are some things we could pray for? I don't want to share someone else's business and their names and stuff, but if you have something you'd like prayer for, if you know someone would like us to pray for them,
1: go ahead. And raise your hand. Yeah, Julie. Yes, Bill and Carol Dent. Absolutely, thank you, Lois. Okay, sure. Washington Manor, you bet. Escaton, right? Other, other prayer requests. I hand a little higher so I can see it. Quiet group this morning. Sure. Yeah, I get excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Marriage is in our church. Absolutely. And know that if you're a married couple in our church, we, and or parent, we, there are a lot of us that
2: pray for you often in that. Okay. Thank you. Someone else? Marilyn? thanks Lois Okay, I didn't hear there was a fire in reading. Yeah. Is there a fire yeah. okay. well we'll we'll pray yeah. we'll we'll pray for them
1: margie sure yeah yeah that was a prayer request early, earlier this morning. There's a
0: city council meeting tomorrow at 5.30 at the community center, and I want people to stand up and take a stand for that.
1: So it would be great to have your presence there if you're so inclined to do that.
2: Oh, sure they would. Susan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Paul, did you have something? Sure. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting that, you know, we, we share a prayer requests for a guy who needs to give away a dog versus
0: loss or death and all in between. And they're they're all things that Jesus wants to hear.
1: Good. Okay. Yeah.
2: Your brothers. Okay. Okay, God in their life. Virginia, right? Is that right? Okay. Pray for that. Certainly pray for that. sure make sure
1: you stop after service stop by and see me or Alistair and chat with us please thank you
2: Chad yeah it is absolutely yes Doug in the Ashby's thank you Chad Julie? Genie's son with shingles.
1: Okay. Mike?
2: Yeah. Yeah, thanks Mike. Good praise.
1: Carolyn shared she needs, a, needs to find a spot, maybe Dunsmuir or Mount Shasta. Uh, the, the rental she has now is going to be sold, so uh, well obviously we have a network of people here. If there's something we could come up with, that'd be
2: great. Thank you. Lois. Yes. Yeah, they do. We will pray for them, too. Thank you. Marina. Stephanie for healing. Okay. Thank you for that. Okay. You ready to pray? Let's pray.
1: Lord, we maybe we don't do it often
0: enough to just to pause and turn to you and make our requests known to you and God, release the burden that we've put on our own shoulders and give it to you and we thank you that you are able to carry those burdens. God, we know that you've heard every single one of our prayers and our petitions today and our praises. God, we ask that you would hear our prayer and answer our prayer. That for those who are ill and suffering from disease or from some form of physical ailment, God, I pray that you would be with them and comforting them, that you'd be touching them and healing them, God, using even the doctors and wisdom around to heal. God, we pray that you would draw them closer to yourself for comfort that they need and to Jesus the Savior. God, for those who are in situations or scenarios or circumstances of life that that there's suffering or there's grief, God, there's loss or there's anxiety or uncertainty. God, we pray that you would, you would fill those, those folks up with your joy and, God, with your truth and, God, with your, your strength, that they would rest on you, the firm foundation, that, God, you would be showing them how you're providing for them and how you're going to, to help move them, God, to more and more stable ground as they trust in you. God, thank you for this church family that we, we love one another, God. May we continue to, to pray for one another and lift these things up. May we be a body that is mindful of the needs of others around us. God, those who are uh, in our body, in the church, God, and those who are out, those who, who need to know Jesus, we pray for their salvation. We pray that you would use us in mighty ways uh, to speak truth into their life, to share and shine the light of Christ and the hope of Christ in their, in their lives as well. Help us to be bold, to be courageous. Help us to, to act in love, God, and help us to love one another well and this community well, that as people look and see our love for one another, that they would know that we are your disciples. We trust you with all this. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters as well, God, the ones all around the world and the ones even in the South right now who are are facing loss. God, we pray that you would be with them. God, that you would be comforting them, that you would be strengthening them, uh, giving them resolve to continue to worship you and lift up the name of Jesus. They would stand steadfast on the hope and truth in Christ. We
1: give this all to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, you guys. <clears throat> That's okay. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go into Matt or John chapter three
0: uh, in just a moment. As we approach Easter, here's the idea for living hope: uh, Jesus is alive. Amen. And uh, as we go into Easter, our our focus tends to sharpen on this living hope that we have in Christ. It's just like Christmas time, right? We know that Jesus was born and Jesus came to save us and to redeem us, and it's an amazing, wonderful thing, right? But when Christmas comes, it's like we celebrate it even more. We talk about it even more, and people are more focused on it. Same is true in Easter. You know, this place on Easter Sunday is probably going to be pretty full, pretty packed out, because people go to church on Easter and on, on Christmas. It's like, that's oh, we should probably go to church. There's something about church during that time. Now that's fine. You come on to church then. We'd love to have you be here all the time. We'd love to have you know Christ and, and be filled with Him and, and to, to have love for uh, the body of Christ as well. We don't want that to grow, right? But we tend to focus our view on Jesus more and on Jesus' resurrection more during Easter and around Easter. So, so it seems right to me that we should use this time as an opportunity for, for us to review and to refine our hearts that we might live and move and have our being through his life and his death and his resurrection. I really do want us to be refined. I want, us, I want us to look right now and see, even today as we look at this, this sermon and the next sermons to follow, uh, these are going to be very gospel-centered, which, which they should be, right? But this is going to be like almost 101 style, like this is Jesus, this is our sin, this is who we need. And, and, and when Easter comes, sometimes it's like, well, let's get back to some other book or some, go somewhere else. And for me, what I want to encourage you in, what I want to be encouraged is, is to look at this beauty and grace that we see in the life of Christ and in the hope of Christ, and in the life that he's going, he gives us, and what that does for us. So yeah, maybe it's the gospel all over again, but I think that you and I should continue to look at the gospel all over again, all the time, and that it should illuminate hope in our life, and joy in our life, and, and refinement there that, that grows into some kind of spiritual maturity that would be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So that's where we're going as we talk about living hope. I'm going to pray over the passage today, and then we're going to read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you again thanking you for your love and your grace. We thank you for the opportunity you give us to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, God, to learn from your word. And we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would decide to be open, to listen to you, to hear from you today. That you would, you would uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, convict us of sin and challenge us in the ways we uh, view things and, and live. That we would be moved into a place of obedience and be obedient children of the Father. We ask that you would change us and from the inside out, not just on the outside. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are in this uh, John chapter 3, verse 1. and I, I mentioned my, my grandma passing away, and the idea for me, you know, this, this really resounded. You know, if we take a closer look at, at the gospel, a closer look at living hope, for me, and I had just done it, right, I just finished my amen on my, on my notes. And I get the, then I get the uh, notice that my grandma had passed away. And, and for me, I just, I needed the, the shot of living hope in my arm. I needed the excitement from that. I needed, needed the, the, the joy from knowing that she knew Jesus and that she is in his arms now. And yes, I'm sad, but I am so glad. And that living hope is what sustains us. So let's look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This, this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter in his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Now skip down to verse 16 with me. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Now let's, let's cover that. Let's talk about that today. Um, I want us to, am I on? Is this on? The microphone? You can hear it? Okay. It went, went quiet on me. We're good. So I want to look today at, at this new birth that Jesus is talking about. And I want us to see for ourselves, what did that look like to us? And, and kind of go through those, those steps and that process that God had in our own heart. And maybe for you, you haven't experienced a new birth. You're, you're trying to figure it out on your own still. You're trying to still look the part and do the part and earn your way. But let's see what God has to say about that, okay? So we're going to look at the new birth. There's four things about that. The first thing is this. Number one, new birth does not place confidence in the flesh. New birth does not place confidence in the flesh. And I've got to start there. My whole week has been totally trained on this point for many people. New birth does not start with confidence in the flesh. You could not get up today and say, you know what, I'm going to be new and I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to be new and I'm going I'm to figure it out on my own. I'm going to be new. I, I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf. How many failures do we have out there January, January 10th, right? You make the commitment January 1st and by January 10th it's like, I just can't do this. I, I thought I could be new but I can't be new we want new birth, we have to have no confidence in the flesh. And we're going to see how this plays out with Nicodemus. In verses 1 through 3, if you look back with me, here's what it says. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the, Jew, of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said. So this is at night. He's coming to Jesus to talk with him. Who's this, this man? This man's name is Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, right? And he's, he's a ruler of the Jews. Let's talk about that a little bit. A Pharisee is, is a, a ruler, a leader. It's a, it's a person who handles the Word of God or should handle the Word of God and, and tradition and, and bring them to the people, right? But ultimately, they became ultra-religious people. They, they put on, on themselves and on people the, the deal that you had to do all of these things in order to, to earn God's favor. You had to earn it and work and, and put it on yourself. Make sure you, you line up and look the part. And so he was one of these guys. Now, a Pharisee was one of the, at least one of the religious elites, but they were, they were still of the people. They were kind of middle-class religious elites. Where the Sadducees were more like, I'm, I'm better than you all around. I'm richer than you. I'm more famous. Don't even talk to me. Where the Pharisees were able to kind of be of the people. So they had a little more favor with the people. But that gained them also power. Because they could say, this is what you do or else, right? Obviously, look at my life. I have it all together. You don't, you need to straighten up. This is the Pharisee. And not only was a Pharisee, he was a ruler of the Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. So he wasn't just a Pharisee who had some some clout on his resume, and, or, and a Jew, but he was also a member of the Sanhedrin, and a scribe in the Sanhedrin, a ruling council. Now this kind of was formed back in Exodus, when Moses decided to delegate some of the task of, of the civil law, and moral law, and the code, and judgment on people. And you, you had these these elders, these priests, who'd come and, and would would administer justice. And it was something that tried to continue on, but, and it was re, kind of restructured with Ezra. But ultimately some people got corrupt, which often is the case, right? And become the ruler of all. They want to be the Lord over everyone. And that's what happened with the Pharisees here. It was something that started that was, should have been right, but it went wrong. Now he's there, and he's a member of the Sanhedrin, so he can rule. And he came to him at night. Now, there's a couple of reasons I think we can say he came to him at night. This is a man, again, this is a man who has a great resume. He has worked hard. He is zealous for God. He, he has done, he's checked off every box. He continues to do that. He's in good standing. He's a Sanhedrin. He's a ruler. He, he offers rulings and tries to administer justice for people. This is who he is. He could go home at night and say, I, I did a good job today. I've done well. And that is what we call as confidence in the flesh. Or we can go further. It's, it's a works righteousness kind of system. If I work hard and do what I'm supposed to do, I can earn my way. I'll be good enough. If we're talking about new birth, we have to get over that. We have to move beyond that. So he comes at night. A couple reasons he might have come at night. One reason would be, at nighttime, Jesus was a little more accessible, right? During the daytime, I mean, he was surrounded by people, by crowds, teaching, talking, being pulled here. Jesus, can you? Hey, Jesus, will you? Hey, Jesus, did you? That's what Jesus was doing, right? Right. So at night he's like, maybe I'll have a little more time to talk with Jesus. Like if I find him and I can have this conversation at night, uh, he's not so busy. Everyone's at home with their kids, putting them to bed, getting ready for school. That's what they're doing. So I can go and talk. That's one reason, maybe, right? Another reason could be that he was a member of the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. And if he came during the day, he's basically like, I've got the badge and the gun. I'm coming for a civil or a legal problem. You're under arrest. And it could cause a problem or a stir. It's like if he came and said, oh, let's, let's talk, well, whoa, 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 what's going on? what are you talking about? So he's kind of like, I'm off duty, I'm off the clock, let's, I want to seek and talk about this in a different way. The other part of it would be, probably more likely, the other Pharisees and Sanhedrin that are around him don't all share the same view that he does. See, what we're going to find is there's something stirring inside of Nicodemus, that God is up to something, the Holy Spirit is up to something, right? And so he, he approaches, I mean, how did he get there in the first place? Well, God did something, God's stirring something in Nicodemus. So he went wanting to talk, wanting to have a conversation, but not wanting it to be a conversation like he would have with his friends back in the temple or back in, in the ruling council. He wanted it to be a heart-to-heart. He didn't want to have them see him going there. He wanted the, sh- the, the shame or the embarrassment of that or to have to answer for that. So he goes at night and talks to Jesus. Now what he'd seen is he'd seen Jesus who's teaching and preaching and healing. He's doing wonders his message seems really close to, to God's message. There's something going on here. Notice what he says. He says, Rabbi. He calls him teacher. It's like a peer. Because the Pharisee is like essentially a rabbi. He says, Rabbi. He doesn't say, hey you, come here, let's talk. He says, Rabbi, let's, let's talk. I want to talk on this level. He says, we know. And I, it's really interesting. He says, we. We know. So it, it's, it's pretty cool that God's, God's works are in, in clear view. Like what God is doing is in clear view. And and God is working in the hearts of so many people. And whether there were actually Sanhedrin or Pharisees that wanted to admit it or not, God was up to something in their heart. He was stirring. He was drawing them, trying to crack that hard shell. But somewhere in that mix, some of those Pharisees, some of those Sanhedrin, were on this we level. Like, you know, there's something more than my buddies are saying here. We need to check into this. So he says, we, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Like, they, they come to that conclusion. We can't deny this. For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with them. Oh, and there's the fail. Why is that a fail? Here's why that's a fail. Pharisees were so outward focused. The way they looked, the way they talked, the way they acted, what they did, it had to look right. So what they were doing is watching Jesus and seeing, this seems like something God would be up to. It looks right. So tell me more about these looks. I'm really interested in these looks what does Jesus do? He said, first of all, he says, teach me, tell me where, uh, no one could perform these signs unless God were with him. And then Jesus replied, let me tell you all about it. No, he says, he says this, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wait, did he just answer my question? I thought we were over here. He answered over here. He just cut to the heart right now. He's, and that's what Jesus does. He's like, let me cut to the chase. Let's, let's move beyond this small talk and get to what's really going on here, Nicodemus. You want to know these external things. You want to know what else you might be able to do or be able to, to, have, to be an influence. You want to be, look the right part and earn your way and look, look good. When you look in the mirror at night, you're like, I'm good. It's not about that. He says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Something was stirring here inside of Nicodemus. And, and Jesus says, I'm going to cut to the chase. I'm going to tell you exactly how far away you are. In fact, you can't see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. You're blind to this. All you want is this external. All you want is to earn your way. And, and I, I want to mention that there's this, I don't know we call it, a Christ complex of some sort for all of us. I was at this horse show. My wife's at a horse show today. But yesterday I was in Wairika, and we, we were there, and I was, I was helping the judge, the, the guy that judges horses. I, it's, it's weird, yeah, I know. But we're there at a horse show, right? And, and I'm there being a ring steward, and we're hanging out and talking. to am I'm, part of it is he knows kind of what I'm doing I won't be there you know tomorrow which is today cuz I'll be preaching at my church right that's what I have to do I want to do that and so I'm there and then he knows I'm a Christian he, I'm wearing my walk by faith sweatshirt I you know that's I, I love that it sparks conversation he's like we're we're out there he's, he's watching the horses and and I'm a scribe I'm 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 a scribe he says 10 okay 7 and so I'm scoring people there right and and he's like in between that you know I don't get atheists I'm like oh, okay <laughs> here we go. Let's have a conversation. That sounds good. I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to hear what he's saying, right? But we started a conversation, and, and I totally was following with him. He said, I don't get atheists. They, they just, they can't see and have faith, and I mean, they look around. And they, and I can't believe it. It's all only about themselves. And what I, what I countered with that, and what I conversed with him about was this. The, the religious person sitting in some kind of worship place on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday, whatever day it is, trying to worship a God they really don't know and worship him out of works of like, I've dressed up nice for you. I've set aside time for you. I've sat in the pew for you. I'm going to earn it. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be a good person. That person who puts their own merit on their own actions is identical to the atheist. They're the same. So we had a great conversation about what it truly is to believe, and what it is truly to have faith. It was a great gospel conversation. I can't wait to have more of that. But that, that's the point of it. Whether it's Nicodemus or an atheist, they're saying the same thing. I'll take care of it myself. I'll get there myself. And, and if you're not quite there, like, I'm not quite there, I'm going to back off. Let me, let me work it out until I can get there that's what's going on in this conversation. I want to read a quote to you out of uh, a commentary. This commentary was uh, from RCH Lenski. He writes this about this, this interaction. He says, Jesus's words regarding the new birth shatters once and for all supposed excellence of man's attainment. Like, you can't try, you can't do it, All merit of human deeds, all the prerogatives of natural birth or position, like you were born into this family, who cares? Spiritual birth is something one undergoes, not something one produces. Let me read that again. Spiritual birth is something one undergoes, not something one produces. Okay? You and I cannot produce that. As our efforts had nothing to do with our natural conception at birth, uh, so in an analogous way, uh, at a far higher plane, regeneration or rebirth is not a work of our own. What a blow this would have been for Nicodemus. His being a Jew gave him uh, him no part in the kingdom. His being a Pharisee, esteemed holier than other people, availed him nothing. His membership in the Sanhedrin and his fame as one of its scribes went for naught. This rabbi from Galilee calmly tells him that he is not yet in the kingdom. All on which he had built his hopes throughout a long, arduous life here sank into ruin and became a little worthless heap of ashes. That's what happens. You know, I mentioned this at Christmas time. I, I want you to understand this. I, I, it's really something that I've clung on to. Maybe I've mentioned it too much because I have. But Jesus, right? Being born as a baby. Remember what we talked about this? God, God showed us that that, that form of a baby. God in the flesh of a baby. That baby, helpless little baby, was more powerful than the strongest person in this room to accomplish what we needed to be accomplished for our heart. What a rebuke from God, saying, you can't do it. So when he's talking to this elite Pharisee, he's saying, you can't do it. You've got nothing. Your flesh, your abilities, the confidence you have in the flesh will produce absolutely nothing. It's a worthless heap of ashes, the commentator says here. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, if you would. Keep your ribbon here, but let's turn to Philippians, chapter 3. And we're going to look at a couple of references there, so you'll have to keep your other ribbon there or the doodle sheet or some kind of bookmark. So Nicodemus thought, you know, I, I'm a Jew, I'm a, I'm a Pharisee, I'm from, I'm from Abraham, uh, I'm religious, I'm a Sanhedrin, what do I lack? The question is, what do I lack? And what did Jesus say? You lack new birth. You lack newness. You lack forgiveness. Paul understands this as well, and Paul coming from the same kind of cut, cut or cut sent from the same thread, cut from the same thread, is that right? Cloth. Thank you, cloth. He's cut from the same cloth. He has the same merits. He has the same uh, resume. Let's look at this in chapter 3 of Philippians, starting in verse 3, looking through verse 7. And, and, and this is what was happening. We talked about this, uh, it talks about circumcision, so we got to kind of talk about this. The flesh, right? Concerned about the flesh. If, oh, you're part of the circumcision group. These people said, if we all practice circumcision, make sure we're set apart. This is what makes us holy with God. Paul's like, no, that's not what makes you holy. Let's see what he says. He says, we are the circumcision group, the ones who what worship by the Spirit of God, and we boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put what confidence in the flesh. Pretty important. If you want to be a part of a group, put a part of a group that says. We, what does it say? We, we worship by the Spirit of God and boast in Christ. That's what we, our group is. We worship by the Spirit of God and we boast in Christ. Then he goes on in verse 4 although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. It's so like Nicodemus. If anyone thinks uh, he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of the Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that's in the law, blameless. Paul had quite the, quite the resume, didn't he? And see, that there's still that stirring that happened in his heart. God was up to something and said, no, you're, you're nothing. That counts for nothing. And he understood that, and he put his faith in Christ. And look what it says in verse 7. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, my whole resume, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Listen, when we come face to face with Christ and when new birth is presented to us, everything we had gained, our resume, everything that we say is good about us has to be dropped. Has to be set aside. He, he's like, that, none of that is good. Yeah, great. You're great in your own realm. You're great in your own family. You're great in your community. Whatever. I'm God. And no one's great before me is what he says to us. Only Jesus, the son, is, is, is acceptable. So we then have to come to Him and say, I count everything a loss. Everything I thought I'd gained, everything I thought I was, I am nothing compared to Christ. Because of Christ, we must consider confidence in the flesh a loss. We must. New birth. In new birth, there's no confidence in the flesh. Now back to John 3, number 2 says this. The new birth cleans the soul. New birth cleans the soul. So again, looking beyond the the whitewashed tomb from the outside, we're looking on the inside of that, right? So back to John chapter 3. We're looking at verses 4 through 7. He said, you must be born again, right? In verse verse 4 he says, how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you. You must be born again. So he goes on, and he kind of has a wisecrack. I think it's a wisecrack. I think a man like Nicodemus, a smart man, an educated man, doesn't really think and consider that Jesus is actually telling us, as old people or older people, to go back into our mother's womb and be born again. But, but notice that, though. The flesh. Like, let's say that was possible. We need a new birth, and we say, I- I'm just going to be born again. You'd still be born of flesh, and that would account for nothing, because you'd ultimately die without hope, a, li- a living hope in Jesus Christ. So Jesus goes a little deeper with that. And, and here, here's, I think, what, what Nicodemus really was having a hard time with, and this is, a, this is something that Jesus points out as being a hard thing to grasp for many of us. It's that in order to come to Christ, to newness in Christ, I've got to drop everything I think I am and have accomplished, and I've got to go back to the beginning. And Nicodemus, in his position, and his status, and in, in indication of his age in this scripture, it's like, how can, I, how can I leave everything? How can I leave everything behind? How can I leave what I know and what I've accomplished and go back to the beginning? <laughs> I like board games. I, don't, I can't remember the name of it. There's, there's several of them out there, different types. The ones with the little half holes in the marbles, you move around the board. And, it, and, and you get to the very end, there's a, there's a home run, right? You get, you get your guys in the home spot. Uh, uh, what is it? That's a great name for it. Man, can you think about that? Right? You're, you're playing the game of aggravation, and you're, you're getting your, your guys all the way around, and you're getting close. You're almost home. But you're not safe until you're home, Right? So you roll, and you get there, and you're like, oh, two spots away. Man, oh, there's a person behind me. They're coming, coming quick. Ah, what are the chances? And they take the dice, and they roll, and they roll a four, and you're four spots away. And they're like, watch this. One, two, three, four. Boom. You're back to the start. and Start over. I mean, any of the progress you made, any of the blood, sweat, and tears, any of the arguments, I mean, they're gone. It doesn't matter anymore. It's back to the beginning. Start over, and that is aggravating. That is that is really aggravating. That's why it's called that. Man, they are a genius. But that's the same thing with our spiritual lives, right? When we come to that place in our lives where we are face to face with Christ and say, "Here I am," uh, nope, <laughs> let's try again. Start over. Drop it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you into something new, but it's got to start from the beginning. But but Jesus, no no. But God, I got all this no i don't want to hear it unless you're born again you can't see the kingdom unless you're born again unless you have new life and new birth you can't get home what you'll find is on that game you just keep running around the board the whole time with all your great achievements all your great dice rolls whatever it might be but you're never going to get home jesus says there is a way to get home It's through new birth. And because new birth is not just an idea, it's actually a cleansing of the soul that will make us new. But it's hard. It's hard for a guy like Nicodemus. It's hard for people like you and I to say, okay, I'll, I'll let go of it all. I'll humble myself and I'll repent, That empty myself of my sin, my ideas, my thoughts, my achievements, and say, God, I come to you in meekness, empty, seeking a righteousness that I could never earn on my own. That is hard to do. You think about families. You think about... Muslim families that are converting to Christianity. You think about the cost, counting the cost of a Muslim daughter converting into Christianity, or a Muslim son converting, and that Muslim family kicking them out of their home, disowning them. You talk, Or worse, you talk about loss. You talk about counting the cost. You talk about aggravation. Coming to Christ is no simple thing for people who have piled themselves and their achievements on top of them. But it's also very, very difficult to continue to live that way with those burdens and those pressures and that, it just escalates and gets more and more. Jesus says, I want to free you from that. He had this conversation with his disciples talking about the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler had come to him and said, what do I do to inherit the kingdom of God? What do I do to, to be a follower of Christ? And he said a few things. And oh, you kept the commandments good. You, all these external check off the list things. And Jesus knew there was a heart issue. There was something blocking him. He said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then come follow me. And it says he went away sad. Why? Because it's really hard to let go of what is the most important to you in order to gain Christ. But the problem there is we don't see Christ for who he really is, the, the supreme gain that he is. He told his disciples during that interchange in Mark 10, he says, The disciples were astonished at his words, and Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard. It's hard to get
1: our hearts in a place of true repentance, of true need talked to a guy this week and it was
0: just it was an amazing conversation and this struck right to the core of his situation he's in a in a a spiral of despair because of the weight and the burden he's put on his shoulders for his own family for his own job for his own his own family's health i told him you have become the savior for them and you can't ever be the savior jesus is the savior but you and i are the same way We like to play that we are the Savior. So we continue to play instead of coming to Christ and being new. Many, like Nicodemus, trust in their own righteousness, their own good, their own abilities. Jesus was challenging this most religious of Jews to admit his spiritual bankruptcy. He was challenging to abandon everything that he was trusting in for salvation. Just like Paul did. Go back to Philippians chapter 3. Let's finish the rest of that passage. 3, 8 through 9, catching up on on, uh, verse 7, he says, but everything that was gained to me, what? I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. In verse 8, he says, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. You see, there's something to be gained, and this this is the important part we have to understand. It's not just forsake everything, come follow me. It's forsake everything and gain me. I am your everything, is what Jesus is saying. I'll be more than everything. I'll be more than enough for you. I'm God. More than that, I must consider everything a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I might gain Christ. Your resume? Considering it as dung. Shred it. Flush it go to verse 9, it says, and, be fa- and to be found in him. This is what he's gaining. The value of what he's gaining is to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God is based on faith. See, Paul got it. Paul understood that he needed a righteousness. He needed a cleansing more than anything else. Jesus often talked to these Pharisees and these scribes and said, you are a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside by the way but you are dead on the inside and Paul knew that and he came face to face with that fact of himself with Jesus and Jesus dealt with him and he repented of his sin and and considered everything he had gained his loss so he could gain Christ and in gaining Christ be found in Christ having a righteousness that came from Christ not from his own doing but from Jesus Christ that's why Jesus says why does it surprise you Why are you amazed that I told you? You must be born again. And that must, that word, the the weight of that is, it's a necessity. You have to. You're suffocating. Please take the oxygen. You must be born again. Because without it, we will only rely on the flesh, and the flesh will always disappoint, and it will perish. Jesus will not. In the new birth, Christ lets us know how dirty and incomplete we are. And he offers himself as our gain and as our cleansing. Only he can truly clean our souls. In the new birth, we get clean souls. Number three. In the new birth, the new birth is by grace, through faith, and in Christ alone. The new birth is by grace, through faith, and in Christ alone. Back to the John passage. We're
1: going to look at verses 8 through 10 together. Let's check that out. So, don't be amazed in verse 7 that I told you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear it
0: sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be? Asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Pretty strong rebuke, isn't it? The guy who spent his life committed to the Word of God, to knowing God and letting people know how they can know God, doesn't understand these things and what's working. Well, let's talk about what he doesn't understand. Here's what he doesn't understand. The Holy Spirit is up to something. God is doing something. God is at work in people to draw them into a relationship, a saving relationship with Him. He's up to something. He says, you still don't see it, Nicodemus? And you and I are just as blind. The Holy Spirit is working. He compares this to a wind, right? It's like the wind, and, and the wind and work of new birth in our heart is, is, is the Holy Spirit's job to do. And it's just like wind. It can't be controlled or predicted, but its effects can be seen in the transformation of lives. I want you to think about that. When you think about wind outside, if you're in the middle of it, you feel it. You see it. You see the, the flag uh, blowing, or you, the car's moving across the highway. You feel the effects of that. You, it's, or when you start, try to start a campfire and your match keeps going out, you feel the effects of it. You don't necessarily know exactly where it came from or where it's going to go and where it's going to end. But when you're in the middle of it, you know it, that God's up to something, right? And for the Holy Spirit, it's the same way. You don't know where he's been or where he's going to go, but right now he's working. Right now he's doing something. Right now he's stirring something up. And for us to ignore the effects of the Holy Spirit in our life and that wind coming into our life is to ignore God himself. Nicodemus was standing before Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, at night with the question of basically, how do I get saved? Look where the wind took him that night. That was God doing that. His Holy Spirit was moving him there. And and that's why Jesus said, you you still don't get it? How many of us are blind to to those divine opportunities, those divine moments where God meets something up for us, right? Think back in your own testimony of your own life. How many people he placed in your life? How many times the Holy Spirit moved in the wind? blew just right so you could know more you could hunger for more you could ask something god's up to something for some of you the wind blew you in here today and that's why you're sitting here do you still not know that you still not see that jesus says it's happening and this wind is is god's grace his new birth happens by grace through faith and in christ alone And God's giving us that grace of of drawing us to himself and saying, I want you to know me. I want you to to see me. I want you to believe and trust in me. Stop ignoring those things. People say, I I don't hear from God. I can't hear from God. I'm tired of not hearing from God. And they've talked to like five or ten Christian friends who have given them wisdom and counsel and encouragement. I'm like, you think God's not talking to you? He's screaming listen to me. I'm right here. But listen, it's about submitting in that moment to the Holy Spirit and saying, I'll hear y'all. Listen, I want to know more. And Paul says this in Romans ten, two and three. He says this about these zealous Pharisees, the the same guys that he used to be. He says, I can testify about them that they have zeal for God. They're excited. They want, they want God. They look really squared away. But that zeal is not according to to knowledge, like real heart knowledge, since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God. Of how it comes. It doesn't come by them, right? And attempted to establish their own righteousness. Let's set up a bunch of rules. If we follow follow those rules, we're righteous. Righteous. No. They have not submitted to God's righteousness. Tough word, isn't it? Submit. Submit. Surrender, wave the white flag. Especially when you've been trying so hard on your own for so long. Earning your way for so long. i I look at my resume, it's it's huge. I'm almost there. You'll never be there. Confidence in the flesh will not produce rebirth. Rebirth comes when there's no confidence in the flesh that's left. When we let God cleanse our soul, when we receive the grace of God and we have faith in Jesus Christ. Can't you see this truth? Back to John chapter 3 and looking at verses 16 through 18. God loved the world in this way. He gave us a bunch of rules that we could earn our favor. No. God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Belief in him, faith In Him, trust in Him, not in yourself. He's the Savior. You're not the Savior. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son. You can spin your wheels all you want. You can work as hard as you want. You You can get a huge resume or a small resume. It doesn't matter to Jesus. It's worthless before Jesus. What counts is hearing and seeing the grace and the stirring of a spirit in your heart and expressing our faith deep within in a Savior that's ready to save, that we would believe that He's the Savior and that we are not. We're saved by grace through faith and in Christ alone. It is in Jesus Christ. This is not just one avenue we've figured out and found that Jesus is, the, is, is our way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, that salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name given under heaven by which people must be saved. So Jesus says you must be born again, and there's only one name by which we must be saved. Guess who it is? Jesus. It's Jesus or bust, and I guarantee you it's not me. It's Jesus. New birth is not in you or me, it is by grace, through faith, and in Christ alone. Finally, number four, new birth is a living hope for us. It's a living hope for us. We don't have to be like, I really hope it works out. That's done, that's gone. We are filled with hope and joy and resolve, knowing that we can rejoice in what Christ has accomplished for us. And that if he's accomplished it, we're good. If he finished it, we're good. Because without him, we are not good. One last passage. Turn to 1 Peter with me, please. 1 Peter chapter 1.
1: Almost to the very end of the book. We sang about this just
0: before the sermon and... and, uh, this this passage talks about this living hope as well, and that's our theme for the the month. And I, I I want us to see this very clearly, this living hope, this new birth and the joy it produces, this living hope. First Peter one, starting in verse three, we'll go through verse nine together. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us what? New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. The flesh counts for nothing, people, right? There's nothing we can do to earn it. The flesh counts for nothing. But Jesus and his spirit, everything counts. He says those words again, it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. The flesh is the opposite, by the way. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time you rejoice in this, even now, uh, even though now for a short time, if necessary, we suffer grief in various trials. Amen to that. So that the proven character of your, character of your faith, uh, more valuable than gold, which through, though perishable, is refined by fire, it may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though, though not seeing Him now, You believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's a goal of our faith, right? Not the goal of our works. The goal of our faith in Christ. That he has finished that work. That he has done what is necessary. That we could have this living hope. And in the new birth, what we know is that that our flesh, and this word flesh, I I talked about this already, I don't know. This word flesh is not like how Paul uses it. Paul uses it like there's the flesh. And, and what he's saying is, there's the bad part of you. There's the part of you that's going to tear you up. That's going to lead you down roads you shouldn't go down. That's the flesh. Don't, don't give in to the flesh. Jesus, he's talking about the flesh. He's saying, it's just, you're a human being. You're, you're a human. You're flesh. This flesh is so weak and so perishable. There's nothing in me that can sustain anything for eternity. But there's everything in Jesus, and He gives us a living hope. And in living hope, I don't have to wonder anymore. That new birth gives us a living hope. The flesh cannot accomplish what the Spirit can, what only the Spirit can. The flesh will always fail, but there is a living hope in the finished work
1: of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand and pray together. Father, we, we have come here today to, to worship you, to
0: praise you, to learn from you, God, to give to you. God, I thank you for that opportunity. And I thank you as we've gone to your word today that, God, you have showed us uh, in, in just in depth this new birth, that we must be born again. And it's not about how good we are, how, how much we can accomplish. It's about what, what Jesus accomplished. It's about what everything, everything that was done in Christ for us. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for the grace of his spirit moving in us and stirring in us, God, and and giving us opportunities to see and to believe Jesus Christ as Savior. Help us to surrender ourselves. Help us to abandon our own resumes or whatever we thought was worthwhile and set it aside for the gospel, for Jesus Christ, that our joy would be complete because of him and what he's done through, through the cross and resurrection. We celebrate the living hope we have in him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen as we close, it's an opportunity to respond and worship to God and to to sing out to Him. And as we sing, I hope your heart is full and excited to praise the One who said, you can't have confidence in the flesh, you can only have confidence in me. And that if your confidence is in Him, we we praise Him. And maybe you need need to, to pray where you are. Say, God, I need to